Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Hope everyone had a wonderful Yom Tov. Um, we love to feature interesting people on this show. You know, when I started this um, radio show a few years ago, I was afraid like maybe I'm going to run out of like interesting people to interview, like how many are there? But Baruch Hashem, there's really a lot of interesting people in the world, who knew? Um, and the truth is that a previous interview that we did with a woman named Bailu Wertheimer actually led to today's interview. Um, sort of some social media sharing led me to a profile of a woman on LinkedIn that really caught my eye. Um, if you've listened to the show before, if you've been to our website, jewinthecity.com, or been to any of our social media platforms, you've seen that um, not only are we covering uh, sort of the negative image that the world has about Orthodox Jews, we're also talking about some of the problems that exist in the community that either turn from Jews off from Judaism themselves or, you know, are the fodder for the stories of negativity. And our approach is really holistic. Um, we want the media to be fair and not, um, you know, sort of uh, give us more attention than we're due um, when there's lots of people in the world that make problems. Um, and we also want our community um, to do what's right because ultimately um, you can make a Kiddush Hashem um, when you do good things. So that's kind of our approach, the way that we reverse negative associations about religious Jews is by being good and asking the world to, um, you know, give us fair coverage on who we are. Um, and so um, today we're delighted to speak to a woman named Sapora Gordon. Um, she is a um, educational consultant and a certified play supporter. Um, her space is really teaching children, um, I guess, to be in touch with their emotions and to emotionally regulate. And based on our work with Project Mako, where there are some dysfunctional patterns in the families that we're seeing, this work that I saw on LinkedIn seemed very interesting to me. And I was curious to learn more about it because ultimately we sort of see um, trying to fix some of the problems at the root um, so that we can be good and then we can look good. Um, Sapora, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Allison. Yes, this is a nice introduction. And actually talking about Baila Wertheimer, the first time I met her in person was when she had originally created her Kal Hanashama program, like a drama uh, program. And I started creating my Ruach Hanashama program to really teach the children to access, accept their feelings, the Ruach part of them, and to learn how to, you know, get to a place of neshama connection, of, you know, um, just being happy and joyous and serving Hashem with love and joy that they're, they really want to. Beautiful. So can you tell us a little bit about your Jewish background growing up, um, where you grew up and uh, what type of, uh, of household you grew up in? So I grew up in New Square, Community Square, and I'm the oldest daughter. I have two brothers, and we have a bunch of other siblings, 10 all included. Oh, wow. And basically, very happy household. But, you know, as, as a third-generation Holocaust survivor, there's a lot of patterns of they survived the survivors and they were such fighters and they really, really fought and were positive. I mean, my grandparents were models of positivity and joy and, and fighting and just coming to a place of, of real happiness. 
And as the generations went along, it was more like we cannot just imitate them. We need to be in touch with who we are with a broad range of emotions, being that we're not survivors at this point, you know, like we need to live life to its fullest. And that's what really, you know, got me to this place of passion of, you know, bringing this to the world of helping children express all emotions. And that's basically, you know, what, what connected the past to the present, I would say. So yeah, so just for our um, listeners, this is something that I really, um, I want the world to know about. I want the Jewish community to know about. I want the larger world to know about um, the the rate of Holocaust survivors in the Hasidic community. I had no idea. Two things. Um, number one, the Hasidic community is almost 100% um, survivors or descendants of survivors. Um, True. And, you know, especially in communities that are more closed, like a New Square or a Monroe um, really that's just very little mixing with the outside, at least for a while. Um, and for the yeshivish community, um, they either got out before the Holocaust or are descendants of Hasidic survivors. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because there's obviously Holocaust trauma in every family that, um, you know, has that in their line. Um, and, you know, studies have shown it's in the genes as well. But I mean, I think that, you know, the, the issues that we're seeing at Project Makom and the stories that make it to the media, I feel so confident that this, you know, really is from the Holocaust. So I, I love the idea of proactively working to, um, to do something about that. So, um, where, like, where did, what, what sort of like your, your educational, uh, you know, uh, journey? Like, where did you go from? You know, going to college is not so common in New Square, and are, are you still in New Square? Or are you yes. in another community? Okay. Yeah. So no, it is not so common. Um, actually, talking about the Shivish community, my husband's family did come out of, you know, Europe before the war, like in early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And my husband's grandfather was the only religious, you know, person, stayed religious in his whole community in New Jersey, just a side. Wow. Um, so basically, my education. I was led by Hashem in very many interesting ways. Talk about interesting. <laughs> so I, you know, grew up in U Square. I went to the school in U Square. I was always very creative and very out of the box. And my parents tried, you know, we're talking like 20 years ago. They sent me to, you know, a writing course. Wow. I remember Miriam Zakonin and uh, Libby Lesnick did one in Brooklyn. I was a young girl, probably the only girl that went there. I always had this edge about me, you know, and the creativity and trying to get out of the common space and basic space. And I was led into teaching preschool, which was not my first option, but that's where I landed. And after like 10 years of teaching preschool, I was promoted to curriculum director of the preschool. And that's when I realized and recognized the, the importance of emotional regulation. I added in a subject to that. After three years, the whole you know, job didn't work out. So that's when my education started. You're asking about college. Basically, what happened was that I had this passion of you know, doing play therapy with children, teaching them about emotions. And that was a 
passion that I had with Emmy for a long time. And it just, again, everything was a stepping stone. And I tried to look into different play therapy techniques, play therapy training. And you're asking about going to college. At that point, I asked our Rebbe, like, what should I do? So for a bachelor's, he very much, you know, pushed me to do that. And I was careful. I did it at Empire. I did not go in session due to, you know, my values where I wouldn't, didn't want to mix with, you know, the whole crowd, but I did everything online. And when I finished with that, I was given the option of doing this private certification. And in addition, at the same time, I was creating my curriculum and my workbooks for on emotional awareness and regulation for the Yiddish speaking community which I saw the need and being that I had the background in the teaching and the curriculum directing, I, you know, mixed everything in and I did a lot of research, you know, just searched the whole library and just, you know, researched from a third perspective. Also, what am I building? Where am I bringing this to the children? I developed a five-step model for my program, which I call it Building Lives, where I teach the children to listen, identify, validate, empathize, and self-soothe. Mm -hmm. And I have different posters and different things that go with it. As I went along into the you know, space of giving over this program, the schools requested workshops, which I developed and created. And Again, it's based a lot on Torah values. Everything is found there. You know, the way we teach children to listen. You see, David HaMelech is, you know, until um, he keeps on listening to his pain, identifying it, and then going on to thanking Hashem. And I have Makaris for every step along the way. And in addition, my education, you know, blended in. Where a master's, I was very much not encouraged to go for by my rabbi, and he you know, I, being that we live in this community and our strong belief is to, you know, ask our big questions. And once again, everybody is very unique in their way, but there is a certain uh, connection of like asking Dastari for your big questions. And I was very much told, like, I was very much encouraged to really train privately in all different modalities and and that I'll get there <laughs> and mm -hmm. basically where I am at is beyond my wildest dreams I'm currently I have a series of books for the Yiddish speaking crowd for English speaking crowd for the workshops of the music and movement and I've also created my Ruach Hashama program that's based upon the books but very much integrating different modalities of play therapy, which I've been training in, you know, a lot, a lot of different APT approved play therapy techniques, which actually asking about my education, I did get in touch with Alan Gantcher, who's the Kids Incorporated CEO president. And being that I do not have a master's, he did create a package for me. I wanted to do a specialization in anxiety as I was working with the children now throughout Corona. And 
he basically created a specialization like a foundation of play therapy which i'm taking now a whole package of different play therapy techniques and as i go along you know i keep on being educated more and more in the area within the realms of what's you know what i was what i asked my personal question and i what i was told you know what i was encouraged to do according to das tyra so, so can you, basically. it's all fascinating. Can you talk a little bit about, um, like, so you, you got this job, um, you know, uh, working at the preschool and you had the creativity always, but was there a problem that you detected um, either somewhere in your life or people that you knew where you saw that children were not learning about emotional regulation? Would you say that this um, seems to come from, you know, Holocaust trauma being passed down? I would say that when I look at Project Maho members, um, their pain is not validated. There are patterns in, you know, how they were raised that makes them anxious or never quite feeling, I don't know, comfortable in their home or like they can have a place um, or a lack of attachment, you know, and how their parents raise them. And it's so clear to me that this comes from, you know, the great grandfather or great grandmother who lost everything and sort of got caught up emotionally and then sort of uh, lacked the ability to then attach to the next generation and the next generation. So, um, was there something that you saw in your life that um, made you think that we need to work on children learning how to, you know, be validated and regulate their emotions? So basically, I would say that what I saw a lot and specific cases as well was, in my case, it was a lot about appreciating the positive, as I mentioned, you know, being just looking at the positive without really, what I found extremely important was to connect to each person for the person they are, mm -hmm. um, really get to a place of, you know, seeing all emotions as okay, validating mm -hmm a broad range of emotions mm. that can definitely be said that I mean I'm not gonna go into all personal details but it was definitely it was very interesting how it was a perfect like a turning point at the place where they asked me to create a new subject it was at that point in my life where I recognized the ramifications of not really being in touch with your emotions being in touch with a broad range of emotions being very like pushing forward and being very positive about things without mm. without, without validating your negative emotions aha, yes. aha so that aha so that's so interesting so let me just try to like parse your words so some people could go through trauma and be super super negative and that's too much in one direction some people go through trauma and everything is bar hashem every moment as opposed to actually stopping and saying i feel sad right now right I'm suffering right now that's a valid emotion to feel let me let this pain sort of wash through me in an appropriate way and then i'll get back on my feet and and too much positivity or too much negativity without that balance um, is going to set things off and cause things like anxiety aha okay right. that's really that that's and, uh, tremendous and to come to think of it nowadays i didn't finish with my basically what i'm very busy nowadays is that i run the ruach and Shama groups at advenium advenium is a therapy agency that focuses on group eight group therapy i started it privately 
the Ruach and Neshama groups. And then I was called by the Square Haider. They wanted me to do it in the class, you know, not in the classrooms, in small groups. And then I, you know, collaborated with Advenium. And the the difference that I see now, the all the parents, like they're they're so excited and they really, really want to, you know, accept the broad range of emotions in their children. And many of the parents tell me the same thing. I didn't, I, I want to bring in this concept into my home that it's okay to feel this way or that way. It's okay to mm -hmm. feel sad or angry. And then we can find a solution. Like I've done the spy, I've done with my, like with a group, I've, I've given them a spy, a spy glass. We made a spy glass and I taught them to look at, First, they should look at, you know, like something that's wrong in their life. And then they can take off the spyglass and look at the positivity. Hmm. You know, I, I think what I was confused about at first is that you talked about um, that you come from a place with so much positivity. And normally we would say that's great optimism, you know, a positive attitude. But um, it has to really come sort of at appropriate times, positivity when positivity is due and negativity when negativity is due and sort of allowing um, that to, you know, be in its right time and its right place. And I would agree, um, this is completely the Torah way. Um, wh what's the reaction, you know, in terms of the community? Because I feel like um, on purpose, um, you know, a lot of the Hasidic world wants to not change as quickly as possible once and ends up doing things, you know, sort of later than maybe the rest of society. And I think in terms of mental health awareness, there's definitely been a lag there. So would you say that things are changing? Would you say that people are understanding that, you know, maybe they were raised in a way that wasn't the best way for them to deal with their emotions? And is there any sense that the, the parents now want to learn how to, you know, self-regulate emotions if the kids are getting this? It's amazing. First of all, my this my Dian told me that it's a mitzvah for me to do this Tilbar mitzvah with boys. And I run groups for boys and for girls. And I do some private, you know, play play support therapy wherein I, you know, support the children through therapeutic play and they know exactly my credentialing. Um, there is an amazing, amazing, amazing receptiveness to this. And talking about the positivity, now there are some people that just thrive on positivity and they live it and they really, really mean it. I've met on LinkedIn some people that are just like overflowing with, with joy naturally. Mm -hmm. So basically what I, what I have seen a lot of reception in, a lot of re the, the, the community and the parents are so excited with it. And a lot of what I get to see is that they tell me that, you know, I, I want to learn to accept this child. That Yes, let's say, for example, she is more of a deeper child. She's more of an emotional child. She's more of a child that gets angry. Let me see what this is coming from. Let me accept her for who she is and mm -hmm. let me help her grow into a positive person. So many mothers are telling me, especially during Corona, when I was doing the calls via Zoom, the parents were telling me, we're listening in. You're changing our whole attitude. The, the, the connection that I get from the parents mm -hmm. is like amazing. And they all want to grow. It's like, I feel like there's such a love in this, in this connection with the people that I, you know, that I teach their children 
they just really, really want to grow and they really want to like just be better for mm-hmm. sure. I definitely mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Can you explain to our listeners what some of the problems that could occur if um, a child doesn't learn um, how to regulate their emotions in a healthy way and that, you know, what could get better if they do? So basically, um, so first of all, this is not, I'm not dealing with traumatized children that Mm -hmm. need, you know, one-on-one therapy for, Mm -hmm. you know, overcoming that. I'm basically what I'm doing and what the mothers really are coming forth. I mean, there are lines and lines that really want to do this for their children is there are a few, two, three, I would say three different categories that I very much focus on and what the problem is you were asking me. So first of all, the angry, a child that has very much energy that can get very angry. And I'm not talking about, a, you know, that's, everybody is okay. They're, they're, they're valid to be who they are, right? And mm-hmm. we want to bring out the best in them. Then there are more of the quiet children or just children that are emotionally overwhelmed. And what I see a lot, that many children, they, they either just, they, it piles up. Either they mm-hmm. don't know how to express it, and then at one point it explodes, or they just become quiet and they disconnect. So the way I teach these children in my groups and, you know, with the books that the teachers and the parents really appreciate and, and, you know, interact with the children afterwards is for them to have, like I'm teaching them the olive base, you have an, a language and a value of emotional expression. It's okay to say, I feel sad. It's okay to say, I feel angry, which anger is a separate, you know, issue that I would, you know, categorize different than all the emotions. (laughs) from a tyrannic point of view, but, but basically if they just, you know, express their emotions and I use a lot of DBT and CBT modalities. So they basically learn to say, this is what I feel. This is what happened. Listen there. Um, and then they say, then I, I just got lost a second. So they take home. I just want to explain the modality that I use to, to answer your question. They take home strips that they that has five boxes. The first box is listen, what happened? Identify, how do you feel about it? Validate, it's okay to feel this way. Empathize, I feel for myself. And self-soothe, what can you do to feel better? And at the end, there's a little gift box. And I teach them that we have gifts from Hashem. We have different, you know, we have hands, feet, mouth. And we can do different self-soothing techniques with these five senses or with all the gifts that Hashem gave us. So basically what happens is that I've had many, many parents telling me that their children just, they, instead of, you know, not knowing what's going on with them or not knowing how to handle situations and coming to a place of becoming a very angry person or becoming their, their mindset is wired into anger or into dysregulation they learn to stop and to say, this is what happened. This is how I feel. 
it's okay. They just make a check and they empathize with themselves. And then what can you do to feel better? It just wires their brain into proactively just knowing how to live a calmer life without coming to a point of either needing to end up with a whole pileup of, you know, on, you know, things not taken on, care on, of. On needs that are not met. So mm-hmm. I that and we're, we have about five minutes left to go. What are some common mistakes that a parent might make that accidentally shuts a kid off or gives them the message that your emotions are not valid? What might parents be doing that sends the kid the wrong message? So um, a lot of it is just not just not focusing on all emotions, on a broad range of emotions. And once again, I'm so into like working with the parents that do want to do the things right. So I'm trying to like tangle it out. So a lot of it is like, you know, like it's okay, just move on. That's one uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. And I've seen so many of the parents, yes, saying, this is, oh, this is how you feel. And it doesn't even need, sometimes it doesn't even need more than the identifying of the emotion. Hmm. And another thing to run to solutions right away, that's a very, that's a very fine line that I teach in my programs that could really, really turn off a child because sometimes a child just needs to sit in their emotions and everybody's different. Some children are more, you know, quieter. Some children are slower processors. They they know that this is the end result, that you can find the solution, but not for the parent to jump in with a solution, but rather to let them think on their own, what happened, well, this is how you feel, and well, I wonder what you're going to do, as opposed to do this, do that. That's another thing. Um, one more thing that I've seen so many parents, you know, going right with, as opposed to going wrong with, or, or, you know, feeling that they've gone wrong with and they want to fix is when they, you know, compare the children's as this is what children are like, as opposed to like this child operates this way and this child operates that way, you know, that really, really helped, that really helps a child grow, mm-hmm. individualized, be individualized find your space. I've seen children, you know, I've seen parents asking me like, how can I see this, this child that's so loud and all my other children are so quiet. How can I make her feel, you know, accepted and be who she is instead of trying to knock her into being, you know, put her into a box of being exactly like her siblings or, or society. I love it. Have you worked with any parents that are, you know, attuned to this and trying to, you know, make things better for the kids and then say, oh, wait, I was missing this in my upbringing. I'm going to go get some therapy or do some work now to try to deal with, you know, the anxiety or different things that um, came about due to my parents not knowing this information for me? For sure. Mm -hmm. What happens is actually I've had some parent classes going on as well, you know, in conjunction with a groups or in private. So basically, I try to be very gentle and, Mm -hmm. you know, to the parents. But basically, what happens is that the parents come forth and say, I really want to do this for my kid. And I want to work on myself. And I very much encourage the parents. And I'm not a pusher. I'm a very, I like to inspire people. 
and make them come to their truth as well on their own with their thoughts. Because if a person is not ready, it's not going to work. For sure. So definitely most, I would say 95% of the parents come bring their kids to me because and to my groups because they want to work on themselves and in conjunction they are working on themselves to become a better more connected person whatever they do exactly i don't ask them but but they, they, I, look, I would say that um, the self-awareness and the mm -hmm. desire to improve, I mean, I think that's the best that any human being can do to be aware and to try to get better. Uh, final question in our last uh, two minutes. How many people do you think you have worked with so far between um, parents and children? Ooh, that's a question. So first of all, my books have, have been, you know, that's not my direct working with the parents and children. That has been used by thousands and thousands of children in many, many different Swedish schools. And, you know, I went into Swarty schools directly with the parents that I've worked with for the past, I would say two and a half years, we're talking a good over 200, uh, I would say close to uh, 120, probably like between 250 and 300 parents. Amazing. And yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, um, this is really like it's a new year, you know, sort of like uh, I think people when the new year begins, they think about ways of improving. And um, I think for anyone listening, um, just kind of being aware of, you know, do you validate your children's emotions? Were your emotions validated? Um, you know, is that something that, you know, needs to be worked on? And it's just it's so hopeful to hear about, um, you know, in a community which we normally think of as being very insular, maybe not having access to some of this information and psychology to be aware, work on making things better. Um, it certainly warms my heart. So um, you should have continued Hatzlacha and all that you do. Amen. Thank you. You too. Okay. All the best. And, and a thank pleasure. You, thank you for listening. You can catch the same time, same place next week.